Pastors Heart and Dominic Steele and thanks for joining us. Today we're talking pastors and our ministry to grandparents and the elderly and their ministry to the generation below. How can we encourage Christian grandparents to be more intentional about their faith? How can they leave a lasting legacy in the lives of their grandchildren and peers? And what are the opportunities that stand before them and how can they grasp them? Ian Barnett is with me. He is the former senior pastor of Fig Tree Anglican Church in Wollongong and is the founder of the Australian National Grandparent Conference, which is happening in September. Details of that conference are in our show notes. Ian, take us to your pastor's heart and your personal realisation that a grandparent can change the world one grandchild at a time. Uh, thanks, Dominic. It is great to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity as well. I think back in about 2016, I had two grandkids and uh, was just enjoying probably being a new grandparent. And then in 2017, I realised I was going to double that. Uh, mm-hmm. We actually had three more come in one year. And it just made me start to think about, so what? what is the influence out there for grandparents? Can they still impact those around them or those who follow them? And it just started to stir my heart. And I thought as a pastor, I probably hadn't given too much time or thinking to that. Mm. And I remember I used to say to my daughter when she'd go to school, don't forget, uh, Emma, change the world one teacher at a time. Because uh, I always felt as Christians, we have more influence than we realize, just to how we live and what we say and how we interact with others. And it just started to make me think as a pastor, wow, I've got people before me who have wisdom, uh, insight, Things that I don't know that I wonder, how do we tap into that? And how do we engage with them so that others in other generations can learn from that? So that really started my thinking around 2017 about how can we, how can I as a pastor and other pastors start to think about that? Mm. Now, you touched a chord with me because, um, I mean, I'm 57. I've been here for 20 years. I came here when there was next to no one and the church has grown up under me Mm. and, uh, And really, there's been a long time where I've been the oldest person in the church. But, and this is what I was saying to you on the phone, um, we looked at the National Church Life Survey and the suburb change that we've had, and this is reflected in our church, our key growth dynamics are 20 to 30-year-olds and 60 to 75-year-olds. As with the property prices going so high, the only people who can afford to buy here are the empty nesters. And so suddenly, not having had to do any ministry to that demographic forever, mm. I'm, a, I'm starting to think, how do I minister to grandparents? So I'm all ears. <laughs> what, what do I need to learn? And I, and I want to say to you right up front, one of the key things that I've learned from others is to value them. Mm-hmm. Uh, because our goal is to equip every generation uh, and indeed to encourage them to realise that they haven't finished running the race. And that's the thing I've started to realise with others, that it's not as if you turn 60 or 70 and, oh, that's it, as a Christian, I, there's nothing else I can do. I can coast from here. Right? I can coast from here. That, that does not uh, come into my thinking at all because I don't see in the Christian life that that is the case. And I've always been encouraged, as Paul writes to Timothy, about uh, Timothy's grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice, and how they, he saw their faith lived out in them. Mm-hmm. And he now sees that in young Timothy. And I just think that is something so powerful in how we interact and what we can do. So I think value the older ones. Uh, the statistics, and I haven't looked at all the ABS research at the moment, but we are ageing, we're living longer, and we have to start to realise that 
you're still very young, Dominic. I'm a little a few years older than you now. <laughs> Ian was in a senior student at theological <laughs> college when I was but a junior. <laughs> but the reality is, if I'm, I'm 66 uh, nearly, and I might live for another 20 or 30 years. Mm. So a, a third of my life is yet to be lived. Mm. That's a lot of time to actually do something useful for God. Um, and I think as you start to understand that demographic and that uh, arrangement, we've had many people come to our conferences and others in the past who aren't married, who aren't grandparents, but they've taken that role on at a local church. And I'd encourage pastors, uh, if they have access to the Sydney Morning Herald website, to read Julia Baird's article from last Saturday, where she speaks directly about the influence of grandmothers, mm-hmm. and especially on young men. And the fact that it, as grandmothers in particular engage with young boys and young men, it actually helps them mentally, it helps them grow spiritually, and has a profound impact. And she's quoting research from others as well. So I just thought it was a really helpful article, even in The Australian a few weeks ago. There's another article about grandparents and mm-hmm. influence. So I'm noticing more people are starting to tap into this reality that exists and is going to be there for a long time to come. Because it might be that in our local churches, even as pastors, do I dare say that it could be our predominant group before us who are ageing could become the key servants of the future? Uh, and I don't think we should, you know, ageism is rife in Australia, let's mm. be honest. But we shouldn't, wow, put them in a box and think just because you're 60 or 70, you can't, there are things we can't do physically. Let's, mm-hmm. not, let's be honest about that. Our bodies don't function like they mm-hmm. once did. You're, but, not, you're not going to be cleaning the gutters. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not, no climbing ladders. But the fact that there are things that they know and have experienced, and I think especially through the COVID years, that many of them have lived through times where they know it's tough and they've been somehow able to persevere and survive. I'd like to tap into that to find out what's their story, how do they do that, and how can they pass it on to others? Uh, and I think pastors should become aware of that. Um, I'm going to come back to ministry opportunities in a moment, but I just want to push you a little bit more on Lois and Eunice, and uh, I just feel like there's more <laughs> more there that you haven't given us. Yeah, look, I'm always surprised. I just think as I read Paul's letters, his first and second letter, especially when he starts to address that in, in chapter one, because I'm thinking culturally the fathers would have had a profound role mm-hmm. in the lives of young boys and girls, and yet Paul takes time to draw out this influence that his mother uh, and grandmother have had on him. And I just, as I read it, for the life of me, I can't imagine, you know, Grandma Lois dragging Timothy along to Doctrine 1 mm-hmm. on a Tuesday for the next two hours. We're going to sit and learn this. I think this sense of lived out, that there was kindness and love and understanding. And my guess is she probably tried to tap into a grandson. One of the criticisms I hear today from grandparents about their grandkids is they're always on screens. Mm -hmm. How do we get them off? Mm -hmm. And I think, one, interact in their world, try and understand their world, and then try and engage. And as I read about Lois and and Timothy's mum, Eunice, I think they're highly engaged with with Timothy, had an interest in Timothy, more than likely prayed for Timothy, uh, and he saw something. Mm-hmm. which became, can I use the word, infectious. Mm. And now Paul sees that in Timothy, and I think that's a direct influence of, of others around him. Mm. Uh, and maybe even a culture of, of older men and women around him that he was able to pick up on. And we're living in a time with, for both Christian and non-Christian, there's high divorce, separation, anxiety, all those things. But there is an influence. We do have an influence. And my question all the time is, so what's the influence? Mm. We are leaving a legacy. Mm. So what's the legacy? Let's become more intentional with that. 
um, so that others can actually understand how that will flow out. Mm. As I think about my own parents and their, I think one of their key goals for their grandchildren was that their grandchildren would become friends. Mm. And so with me and my three sisters, they've worked really hard to have them over at the, the kids over at the same time. And so that, um, uh, and so now here we are much later and there's a WhatsApp group of grandchildren. <laughs> and look, and that's, I mean, Dominic, you know more this more than I do, but the WhatsApp group, you know, Facebook groups, it's really helpful because mm. for grandparents who really have become quite savvy mm. for the, over the last few years in terms of technology use, love that. Mm. Uh, and while there might be debate from parents now about grandparents putting images uh, online about their grandkids, it is just a way that grandparents can engage. Mm. And like my oldest granddaughter and eldest grandson have phones now. Mm. It's like, okay, so I can text them. We can develop something together. Uh, and I, to me, it's exciting because mm. uh, we do want to see our kids grow. Now, spiritual goals. Yeah. How, I mean, how do you influence your grandkids spiritually and particularly if your child is not Christian? Mm. Great question. It's a big question that is worthy of a pause yeah. to catch our breath. Yeah, what's the issues? Yeah. Where are the potholes that we're going to crash? It into? is complex. Life is complex today. And one, I think, needs to keep reading through Luke 15, the prodigal son, and feel the pain of the father in regards to his sons, uh, both the youngest and eldest. And I sometimes wonder... Where are the grandparents in that scenario? Mm-hmm. Are they talking to dad? Because you get towards the end of chapter 15 of Luke's gospel and he looks up and it's like out of the corner of his eye, he sees his son coming back. And I'm wondering, is he sitting with the grandparents who, who grandparents are number two. I've got to emphasize this. Parents are number one. Grandparents are number two. Um, one, we must pray for them. We, number two, we must demonstrate this faith we have. How does it affect our lives? How does it affect how we speak? Uh, what we watch, how we give, how we serve. Have we ourselves now put our Lord in a box which actually isn't coming out? And I'm talking to a lot of people, as you'd know, who probably came to faith in 59. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in the Billy Graham crusade of 59, it's hard to believe, but it's true, a third of Australians heard Billy Graham live. Mm. That's just like 9 million in our country and 3 million heard him live. Mm. It's just we've moved a long, long way away from that now. So we've got to pray for them. Uh, I think we have to encourage the parents. I'll come to the issue about our kids not walking with the Lord in a moment mm. because that's, I think it's a whole other separate thing. Um, and I think we, we can be there for Christian parents. We can be a support for them as they engage with their kids because mm-hmm. today we're choosing many, many different forms of education mm-hmm. for our kids, either public, private, homeschooling, there's all sorts of things, the Christian school. Uh, but I think... Parents and grandparents, so grandparents can really be that backstop. They're number two, mm. and they can continue to pray and support. And our grandkids are living in a time which is challenging mm. and complex. Let's not pretend otherwise. Uh, there are gender issues. There are issues of same-sex marriage. There are issues of how do you speak, how do you engage. What, what is it to be a young man today or a young you know, female today? And surely we can't keep referring to someone like Jordan Peterson or someone else as good as some of the things that Jordan says I do value. But how do they do that? And so even being able to engage with parents is helpful. Now, many of the parents who I've connected, grandparents I've connected with in regards to the conference and the movement, many of their kids are not walking with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And there is separation. Uh, and one of the things that we keep saying to them is firstly, persevere. Secondly, pray, because you never know 
one, what God is doing in their lives and also when an opportunity will come up and be ready mm-hmm. for that opportunity. Whatever you do, don't be judgmental. Mm-hmm. Don't be critical. They are making their own decisions, which you've raised them to do. So as parents, we raise our kids to be independent. Mm. to write. And so they're going to make decisions that we might like, we may not like in regards to our grandkids. Um, so pray, persevere, and continue to extend that hand of kindness and love. Uh, and even have a conversation with your children, if they're not walking the Lord, would they mind if you pick the kids, the grandkids up to take them to church? Mm-hmm. Would they mind if you share a little bit about your own story, uh, your faith story? Um, as in seek permission. Mm-hmm. Don't just do it in a way that can get our children offside. I'm guessing, Dominic, I have three kids, you have three kids. I'm guessing you know what you could do to mm-hmm. upset your children. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. (laughs) Think some other way uh, through that to do that. Um, I'm thinking one woman from our church, she's obviously sought permission, but she's taken her grandkids to the CMS Summer School Kids Program for the last decade. Yeah. Yeah. And look, we should never underestimate what God can do and the seeds he sows. Like I was on a radio interview in Queensland a few months ago and it ended up being an open call, people calling in to seek advice. And I'm thinking, I'm not anyone to give advice. But the first lady who rang in has eight grandkids, but her, her own children won't let her get access. Mm-hmm. And as you, we explore a little bit about that, we sort of notice that maybe she's been a bit hard-hearted about things mm-hmm. and very critical about why her own children were not walking with the Lord. I don't think that helps at all. Um, I just think we have to take an approach that allows our love for them to shine through uh, as we seek, we, because our desire is they walk with the Lord. Our desire is they're in heaven with us. Mm. Well, that, that's my desire. Mm. That all my kids and grandkids, as a pastor, I still struggle because uh, I have a brother who's not uh, walking with the Lord. And it's hard to speak directly about Jesus to f- direct family members because mm-hmm. they look at you and think, well, I know your life. You did this. You made that mistake. Uh, but I think... Go take the long picture. Uh, never give up. Keep engaging. Keep making sure you're holding out an opportunity for something to happen. That would be my quick mm. comment. Yeah. Um, what about um, the in, – in I mean, you were telling me you've got a zillion different domestic arrangements that people are speaking into. Mm. Yeah. yeah, look, it's it, – it's, I probably didn't realise the complexity of this when I started a few years ago. While you might read printed material about where people are at, there is there is domestic violence, there is sexual abuse, there is high levels of divorce, there is separation, there is great pain in that world for grandparents. And the thing is, because you're number two, I think you feel there's nothing we can do. Now, that's true in one sense because you're not number one. Um, and so our, our children's lives have become very complex, let alone cost of living, let alone job security and all the things they talk about, let alone trying to buy a house. Uh, I'm guessing where we are in this part of Sydney is expensive to buy it's a house. super expensive. <laughs> what do they do? And some of them, you know, that's why I like Luke 15. I think some of our kids would like us to go to glory now so they can get the inheritance now because that might solve certain problems for them. Mm-hmm. But I think, well, what's, what's the one thing we could do? And I, you know, again, I, if I jump back to Luke's gospel, I just think Luke 10, at the end of that, Mary and Martha, uh, I just think, wow, 
we're so busy doing things, but what's the one thing we can do? Mm. And we must provide evidence that we ourselves are sitting at Jesus' mm. feet. So, yeah. What do you want your grandkids to say at your funeral? <laughs> Uh, it's a great question because both Dominic, I was a pastor at Dominic still many years to go, and one thing pastors do is conduct funerals. And we've done many of them, mm-hmm. I'm guessing. And, uh, and I often wonder when the grandkids get up, what are they going to say now? For me, it's a great question because I'd like, them, I'd like to think, well, Granddad was there for us. Granddad showed us a love that nearly wasn't of himself. It came from somewhere else. Um, and Grandad continued to point us towards Jesus, um, even at times when we may not have listened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, you, you persevere and persist in a loving way. And I'd like to think that when they stood up there, they could make mention truly about my wife, Rhonda, that Grandma, she was always there with Grandad. It wasn't just on his shoulders somehow, but together they demonstrated something that we can now, we can now see. Mm-hmm. Uh, was coming from a different place uh, because of his love for the Lord. So if they could say things like that, that would be great. I hope you know, my children are watching this and you're writing this down for the grandkids when that time <laughs> comes, in case the Lord calls me home. I, I noticed that I was in a Facebook discussion this week and uh, it was a, another pastor saying um, he really wanted to encourage um, Christian older people to write down what they want at their funeral Um, because he said, I've just been in a number of discussions with non-Christian kids and they are almost wanting a completely secular funeral for this strongly Christian parent. And um, I was very thankful in in our... um, My mother-in-law died last year and um, and, um, uh, she'd she'd written down the hymns she wanted she'd written down the bible readings she wanted yeah. and um and so yeah she'd written john 14:6 um uh and it was clear what she wanted spoken on <laughs> at yeah. her funeral um, isn't that great and look we i don't know what's so much for you but probably my parents generation but we didn't say much about our faith mm-hmm. verbally uh, and I think we're in a season now where with so much change going on, I'd want to say to those watching or pastors who have an influence on others, encourage them to speak up about their faith. It just We want everyone to do that. Mm. But it's true to say the day will come. We don't know tomorrow. We mm-hmm. don't know what tomorrow will bring. But to write things down is helpful. And to say to your grandkids or even your kids, these are the things that I've always valued and tried to pass on. Mm-hmm. I'd love it if you could refer, reflect on that and remember those things. And I think I'm hearing you say it's not so much sitting the kids down with a syllabus. It's as we're washing the dishes together, yeah. talking about what's important to you and talking about how the Lord Jesus is important to you. Absolutely. And I think, again, some of the research is saying, especially for boys, you actually have to be active doing something with them to talk Mm -hmm. about it. Um, Throw them a ball, go for a walk, uh, do things like that. Yeah, look, there are probably people whose preferred style is to sit them down for two hours Mm -hmm. and go through the 39 articles or something. Good on them. In no way should criticise that because we're all different. But I just wonder if there's other ways to engage. Mm. And, and as, I, as I go through the, even the Deuteronomy concept about training a child in the way they should go, or, and Psalm 145 talks about the, we have a responsibility to pass on 
how God has worked in our life to the generations that follow us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's best done in interaction and engagement. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are, like some of the research is saying, that we nearly a third of grandparents are probably looking after kids under the age of 10 maybe two or three days a week at the moment Mm -hmm. because of life. That's a lot of time Mm -hmm. to say something about who you are or why you do it. Even the wonderful God we have or what is God doing in our life right now. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, again, who would have thought, though, like, there's a war going on between Ukraine and Russia. What do we, do we say something about that? Mm. Uh, there's hard times around us. How do we... What stories are you hearing about grandparents reading the Bible with their grandchildren? I mean, and I'm thinking particularly uh, not so much where, I mean, I'm sure it's happening where you're Christian, the kids are Christian, and your grandkids are Christian, mm. you know, but, and everyone's in church. Mm. Where are you hearing it in the more complex situations? Well, I suppose the honest, I'm not. Right. And I wonder if that's because Christians themselves are not reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, that hasn't become part of their own DNA and practice. And on you know on a daily basis, and you know with with so many apps today, you can listen to it. You don't have mm. to just read it. You can actually have someone listen to something with you, uh, which I think is a helpful way to go. I think it's hard because again, they're so caught up in other things. But because they are caught up in screens, there seems to be lots of way to interact with them in that way, mm. even with through the Word of God. Mm. Uh, and I think I'd encourage pastors, like we're as pastors, we're always encouraging people to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. I noticed in my latter years, more and more people were bringing their, obviously, iPads and phones along. Mm. That's great, the way you can read it. I'm old school enough to think there's just still something about the book. Mm. It's visual. Mm. It's a statement that this thing matters. And I remember reading a book uh, years ago about the parents that influenced me, probably being old, it came out in the 90s. And I was reading, uh, indeed, about uh, Colson and the influence mm-hmm. of his father. Mm. And he writes uh, in his book that he can still remember seeing his dad sitting in a chair every morning reading the Bible. And it's a memory that stuck with him through all the years, which would lead him later on mm. uh, to change his world. And I think, yeah, do, do our grandkids even see us reading? Because sometimes if you're doing something, they'll say, oh, granddad, what are you doing? Mm. What are you reading? What do we say? Mm. I'm reading the sports section in the Herald Online about Manly or something. Mm. Like, I'm actually reading from the Bible. Why? Like, I just think that it's not, it's not what I say, it's not brain surgery. It's just the simple thing. Do they see us doing things that would lead them to inquire? Because our grandkids are inquisitive about things. Let them be inquisitive about our faith. And let me read to you this letter. Um, this is, um, well, it was before I was married, so it was more than 30 years ago. Okay. Um, I, I think I was probably 22, 21 I got this letter. Dear Dominic, this is a special letter, not a thank you letter nor a newsletter. It's a letter from my granddad. Um, I'm sure you'll recall the day when we were sitting alone together and you sprung on me the question, what do you think of God? It was a perfectly sensible and permissible question from a polite young man to his grandfather, and I have been ashamed of myself ever since for being so rude in snapping at you. You caught me off balance, and I'm sorry for it. Please forgive me. To me, it was an emotional question, 
And I must tell you, I'm still trying to adjust to my wife's death. But I'll also tell you that very soon after that traumatic event, I began to have a strong feeling that I was being helped and guided in one problem after another by what I allowed myself to think of as God. I had to learn to live my life in a new gear by myself from hour to hour, and I moved into a very low gear. I began to ask God for continued guidance, and this is what I've received. I rendered thanks for the blessing of being relieved of all financial worry and also for my good health. But the thing I did ask for, and still do, every night is to be guided towards doing the sensible thing and to avoid doing anything foolish, particularly in my personal relationships with other people. On this basis, I speak to God from bed each night before going to That's the wow. best letter I've ever received. That is so, Dominic, thank you for sharing. That is so personal. And, yeah, wow, I'm just yeah, very moved by that because I know someone right now is writing a song and the song's entitled, you know, a letter to my eldest grandchild. I just think to have that is so powerful and it demonstrates probably the things I'm saying that we should be ready for those things because like you a long time ago, they will ask questions, mm. especially as we get older. I've got one granddaughter says, oh, granddad, how come you have grey hair at the side of your hair? Because I'm getting older mm. you know, and it's a, the day will come mm. when I won't be around. Like, I think I'm not nervous about those things. Why? Because it's the reality of our life. But that has led her, are you going to go to heaven? And she's five. And I think those are just such important conversations to have. Um, and I look, we all get tired. I can imagine your grand, but we all get tired. You know, grandkids can be tiring. But that is a treasured moment and mm. a treasured letter. I just, yeah, it's very moving. Mm. Mm. I still remember mm. The, mm. the day um, right. opening that envelope and reading that letter mm. and praising God for his yeah. work in my grandfather's life. Wow, yeah. that's great. That's great. Mm. The conference, tell us about it. Yeah, it's our fifth conference uh, coming up on the 17th of September. Uh, we have a great lineup of speakers. There's three things about it I'd encourage people to think about. One, it'll help you persevere in your faith. It'll help you think about how do I leave a spiritual legacy. And the other great thing about it is you actually get to connect with like-minded grandparents mm -hmm. and ministry leaders. And that has been profound over the years. Uh, with a variety of speakers, they can check it out on the website, you know, ngmlegacy.com. Mm -hmm. But with people like uh, the Abdallahs talking about uh, forgiveness, uh, Kel Rich is talking about prayer, Tim Costello, it's a great lineup of speakers. And can I say, it's unique. Mm. There's nothing else like the National Grandparent Movement in Australia, mm. which has surprised me. So mm. come along. Thanks so much for coming in. My guest on The Pastor's Heart, Ian Barnett, uh, former Minister of Fig Tree Anglican Church, and now, well, the founder and the leader of this National Grandparents Movement and Conference happening in September, coming out of Wollongong, but online all over the place. Thanks for joining us on The Pastor's Heart. We'll look forward to your company next Tuesday afternoon. Hey, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we would love it if you could hop over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating and review. That helps us in the rankings and lets other people discover the pastor's heart. And again, if you are able to help us out by being a financial partner, go to our Patreon link, patreon.com slash the pastor's heart.